0: Good morning,
1: everyone.
0: So, um, safeguarding is probably a term that we've often heard before. It's a relatively new term, actually. Um, I think safeguard originally was about safeguarding the castle against enemies or something like that in the 14th century. Um, but uh, as a church, we um, we get our guidance when it comes to safeguarding from an organisation called 318, which is actually the The proverb that Stephen read earlier comes from Proverbs 31, verse 8. Um, As as Stephen read, uh, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Um, Now, this is a a concept that as a church we we hold dear anyway. I think, um, and at the same time, it is necessary for us to have the regular or the, the necessary policies and procedures in place. Many of us, me included, have gone for training with this organization, 318, just to kind of give us a bit of a wider understanding um, of what this is about. And also, there are so many things that we don't often think about that is necessary for us to, to keep in mind. Um, and Becky and Penny are going to share some some of their own experiences and their thoughts. Uh, Becky and her work as a teacher and Penny as a doctor. Um, and I'm going to close us off with a, with a few thoughts as well. So Becky, I think you're up first. Thank you.
2: Okay, so um, in my role as a teacher, I'm trained in child protection and safeguarding. So that's what I'm going to talk a little bit about today. And this is a subject that I I know is close to many of our hearts and obviously mine as as a teacher and a mum. And um, so I I hope I can do it justice because it's such a big topic. Um, If there's anything that I say that you want to question later on, um, please come and speak to me afterwards, or that you want some more information about and things I've said, please come and speak to me after. So I'm going to talk briefly about child protection and safeguarding, how to recognise it, and what we as a church can do about it. Whilst it can be quite a challenging topic to talk about, I hope that today, rather than going away feeling scared or frightened, you go away feeling empowered. As ambassadors of Christ, just like Stefan and Charlotte read this morning, we are taught to love one another. And part of that is protecting each other, especially the more vulnerable amongst us. So just to clarify, child protection is the activity of protecting children who are suffering or who are likely to suffer from significant harm. Safeguarding is preventative and involves promoting the welfare of children by protecting them from harm and recognizing the risks to their safety and security. Each one of us in here needs to be able to minimize the risk of children being harmed either accidentally or deliberately. We all come into contact with children here whether that's through our role as um, teachers in the kids classes or in our interactions with them after church um, and it's our job to make sure that their well-being is safeguarded. It's always better when it comes to children, when, it, when it comes to any safeguarding to be over cautious rather than to think, "Oh, I'm sure that's nothing," and ignore it. Um, at school, we describe it when we're having our training as that uh uh-oh feeling that something's not quite right and perhaps you can't label it but it's better to talk to the designated safeguarding person in church about any concerns you might have at all and I'm going to give you an example of um, of one of these sort of situations so this has been autonomized obviously so Sam was a healthy Sorry, I've just skipped too far (laughs) ahead. Sam was a healthy, friendly, and well-loved child who lived uh, with his mum and dad. One day, he arrived at school wearing trainers instead of his usual school shoes. Um, His teacher asked if he was okay and what happened to his school shoes. He replied that his school shoes had been in his bedroom and they got wet because of the water. It hadn't rained the day, so the teacher did find this a bit funny um, and had a slight uh-oh feeling. On inquiring further, Sam explained that there was water coming into his bedroom from a hole. His teacher asked if his mum and dad knew, to which he replied, yes, they've got photos. The teacher discussed this with the designated safeguarding person at the school who advised the teacher to talk to Sam's mum at the end of the day because they were sure there was a simple explanation. The teacher did as the DSP advised and because Sam's family um, did not speak English, The teacher had to use a translator that also worked at the school. (coughs) So the two members of staff spoke to the parent, and indeed the parent did have photos and showed the two members of staff this. So this was the front room. This was the kitchen. And there's another room in the house. The family had been living like this for quite some time. They were vulnerable because of the language barrier. They didn't know how to protect themselves from the rogue landlord who knew that they were living like this. Thankfully, because of that simple thing that the child had said, and because of the teacher's reaction, the school were able to work on behalf of the family and to get them the help that they needed. The council were contacted, immediate repairs were made, and the landlord received a warning. I told this story to give an example of something that seemed like nothing. A child arriving at school with their trainers on instead of their school shoes. That's happened lots of times. Um, But this actually transpired to be a safeguarding issue that was impacting the life and health of the family and this child. So when you get that uh uh-oh feeling, please, please talk to somebody. It could be nothing, but it could be something
1: (laughs) more.
2: So sometimes the thought or, uh, or responsibility of child protection can sound scary, and rightfully so. Whilst I certainly don't want to scare anyone, it is vital that we don't make the mistake of thinking that these types of situations or child abuse or neglect can only happen in certain circles of society or would never happen at church or to someone you know being observant and knowing what to do if we have any concerns for a child could literally be life-saving so what are the signs that we need to look for so I've just done a couple to hopefully be a little bit helpful so other than, you know, I think when we think of child abuse or neglect, we can naturally think about bruising, burns, um, unexplained marks. But actually, there are some other signs um, that we can look out for. So, some can be, certainly, these don't all suggest that a child is being abused. It could be other things going on in their lives, but these are some common signs that could indicate something is amiss. So, unexplained changes in behaviour or personality the child becoming withdrawn, becoming uncharacteristically aggressive, having few friends, having a poor bond with relatives in their family or with a parent, having knowledge of adult issues that are inappropriate for their age, running away or going missing, or choosing to wear clothes that always cover their body. It's important to note at this point that we normally assume that any form of child abuse is an adult towards a child, an adult's action towards a child, but sadly, this isn't true. In recent years, there's been a huge rise in what's called child-on-child abuse. It was referred in the past to as peer-on-peer abuse. This can include bullying, -bullying, cyberbullying, prejudice-based and discriminatory uh, bullying, Mm -hmm. sexting, which is the sending of inappropriate pictures, Um, Upskirting, which is when people take photos up people's skirts. Revenge, pornography, and abuse in intimate relationships between peers. I should say that I work in a primary school, and we have dealt with some of this in a primary school. So it is important to also be open to the fact that some of those seem like it might only happen with older teenagers. But sadly, that's also not true. As teachers and trusted adults in church, it is likely that a child might make a disclosure and we need to be prepared. Mm -hmm. Teens in the church, it's likely that some of your friends might feel that they can talk to you about things. So it's important that we know what we can do if that happens. So in school, we talk about the four R's, receiving, reassuring, reacting, and recording. So if somebody makes a disclosure, Receive, listen to what's being said without making a judgment, and always take it seriously. It may have taken quite a lot for a child to reach that point to share. Reassure the child, but don't offer to keep it a secret. It may be that you do have to involve external services with the disclosure that they have made (laughs) to you. But at the same time, only discuss it with the people that need to know, the designated safeguarding person, And, as I said, any external services. React. Listening quietly and patiently. Don't assume anything. Um, And then lastly, record. It's really important if somebody makes a disclosure to you that you record what they've said accurately. That includes any slang or swear words don't interpret it in your own way. It's really important that you put it down as factually as possible. There's loads more information on this, as you can imagine, and a really useful website I found was the NSPCC. They've got loads on there. And for all different settings as well, which is helpful. Um, I'm gonna mention this here because I know that smacking is, is a discipline that has been used widely. And that is still used but just to be clear about what the law says about smacking in the UK. So smacking is banned in Scotland and in Wales. In England the law states that it is unlawful for a parent or carer to smack their child except where it amounts to reasonable punishment. If that punishment causes grazes, scratches, abrasions, minor bruising, swellings, reddening of the skin, superficial cuts, or even potentially a back eye, you could be charged with common assault. I'm just going to give one last example of a more obvious child safeguarding issue, Um, but also hopefully it sort of demonstrates how to react if a child makes a disclosure to you. So Katie loved playing in the playhouse at school. Her favourite game was tea parties. One day she was playing with a small group whilst a member of staff watched. As she went to climb on the operator, she winced and rubbed her leg. The member of staff went over and asked if she was okay, to which Katie replied, my leg hurts. What happened? The teacher asked. My dad did it. He pinched me and he made me bleed. Katie's teacher assured her... Um, and then having been trained in child safeguarding, quickly alerted the designated safeguarding person who came to speak to Katie. After examining Katie's leg, they contacted children's services. Children's services were able to come in and help support the family. They had had a bereavement, and unfortunately um, the father was, was grieving terribly and drinking heavily. Thanks to the action of the school, the safeguarding services, um, Katie's family were able to receive the support they needed. And most importantly, she was protected from further harm. Sometimes we can be a little bit afraid of raising an issue because we worry about children being taken away from their families, etc. But that doesn't always, that's not always the case. Sometimes the disclosure and the help that's received might be just what that family, and most importantly, what that child needs so that they can get the support. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Becky. In case you're wondering, just a reminder, Charles is our designated safeguarding lead. Uh, so, you know, do your best to remember that. And The national organisation that deals with safeguarding concerns is through social services. And if you're in in a situation outside of church where you want to know more about that, then there will be lots of information, relevant information on your local council uh, social services website. So as Stefan has said, we're trying to speak up for the misfits. And whether we're the misfits or it's other vulnerable people around us, I'm just going to talk a little bit about how safeguarding affects us as adults. And sadly, adult abuse is probably more common in society, and it can also occur in religious settings. Have you ever fallen for an online scam? I'm not gonna ask you to put your hands up because it's so embarrassing and we all feel stupid if we get caught out. But that's kind of what safeguarding is. It's when people get caught out uh, by somebody who has hurt them and any of us can be vulnerable at any time in our lives. As Becky shared, the most vulnerable people in our society and I'm thinking about adults here are those with perhaps uh, with language barriers who are not able to advocate for themselves, in a complex world and system, also those with cognitive problems, including dementia or learning disability. Adults with poor mental health, including addictions, or or who are just lonely, or maybe have physical health challenges, who have to rely more on other people, are then more vulnerable. And perhaps people who might not seem vulnerable can become vulnerable through the process of grooming, which is where criminals uh, will observe people and befriend, get to know, and build up a relationship which can then twist into something abusive. We hear on the news about trafficking and forced or indentured labor, uh, including refugees. And we have many refugees in our our country at the moment and and this this is a a vulnerable group as well, they have many needs and they don't often speak English, it's not their first language, and uh, there is a a lot of of issues around that. So who are the abusers, Who, who is up to all of this? And sadly, most commonly, it's family and carers. The carers may be informal family carers or they may be paid carers uh, as well as strangers who might be observing a vulnerable person for a while. We know statistically that a child dies from child abuse every week in the UK and an adult dies every fortnight usually from some kind of domestic abuse. We don't hear about these you know we hear about the beautiful lady who goes missing for a few days or the beautiful child. But because of confidentiality causes and the way that the media choose to pick and choose their stories, we don't get the real picture. Can you imagine hearing about somebody dying from domestic abuse once a fortnight on the news? It just doesn't happen. We tend to only hear about these situations when perhaps social services have overlooked something and there's somebody to blame and a report has been written. What are the abusers after? Well, sex, sexual favours, money, material goods and accommodation. So some of the cases which have made the news have been where vulnerable people have had their houses taken over uh, and converted to to drug dens or cannabis factories. Malcolm's father lives in this beautiful corner of Kent and the pub was... uh, boarded up for a while during a change of ownership and in this beautiful idyllic countryside the pub was turned into a cannabis factory which you know seems really bizarre and uh and then often um trafficked uh people or refugees will be working in the forced labor situation in there and the other thing is control so outside of these things which i've described which might sound quite extreme and outside of our everyday experiences um We've, we've heard about uh, coercive control in marriages and other relationships. And even we've heard about it in church situations. You make it, it, it always has hit, well, it has hit the news when some of the larger church institutions have had scandals um, and, and every church is vulnerable to this. And that's part of why we're talking about this here Uh, And in fact, in in recent times, we started hearing about the term spiritual abuse. Um, For example, church members may find themselves threatened with the wrath of God if they don't increase their financial giving or give financially or engage in sexual favors. We may find scripture, scriptures that we know and love and treasure, but being used inappropriately to manipulate people And threats of public shaming, I I find it really hard to to think about this. And I really hope that as a church, the community that we build is one where everybody feels safe. But I'm not naive. And it does happen. And not just in the Church of England and the, um, the other established churches. But there have been accounts of it happening in our own movement of churches. So, again, that's part of the reason why we're doing this today, is to raise, raise that awareness so that we can all be part of the solution. I'm going to share an example now from my workplace, uh, which I hope will be helpful for us all. And again, the details have been anonymized, but just to get you thinking and uh, to try and train that, oh ho, feeling that Becky talked about. You know, we need it around each other. Uh Uh-oh, what's going on here? Is this right? Is this healthy? Is this good? So I'm gonna talk about Brian. Brian was an elderly church leader who was placed in a residential care home that I used to do weekly ward rounds in. He had developed dementia and he'd become very frail. He'd been living in church accommodation in his retirement and he had no family. Uh, to take care of him or advocate for him. He was moved into the care home, uh, which was run by an order of nuns. I enjoyed getting to know Brian. We had our little chats most weeks. He remembered a lot of scripture that he'd learned over the years. He was a very gentle, kind uh, persona about him. And he got regular visitors uh, from his former parishioners, and they'd often read the bible to him they might pray with him in the residence lounge. One day when Brian had a visit one of the staff noticed that the person reading to the bible reading the bible to him had an unusual looking bookmark so they hovered in the background they had an uh-oh moment and they realized that the bookmark was a blank check and unbeknown to the to the, visitor, the staff member sort of watched from a distance to see what was happening and this visitor slipped the blank cheque to Brian with a pen and asked him to sign it. At this point, the staff member stepped in, challenged the visitor and over the next few weeks, social services carried out a full investigation and it became clear that Brian had inadvertently signed several cheques, giving away a huge amount of money. My, I guess my challenge to us is when I started this story, what assumptions did you start to make in your mind? Who did you think was gonna be the victim? And who was gonna be the abuser in the story? Was it gonna be the church minister who was found out to have abused people? Was it gonna be the nuns running the care home? <laughs> This story it always reminds me, it's a sober reminder that assumptions are best avoided. Although we're going to make them, we need to be aware of that. And when we get those uh-oh moments, we need to be open-minded and we need to speak up about our concerns. Shalom. I? I mean, it's interesting
0: because i I mean, I, in my day job, I... You know, these things come up often and regularly, as it does for, I think, many of us here. And even if, as I was listening to the two of you now, I realized the heaviness that I feel here. I mean, there's, uh, there's a bit of a heaviness that we feel about this. Um, I think I also want to acknowledge that as we listen to this, it's, it's highly possible that, that some of us here may be, you know, remembering something or thinking about something in your own life or your own situation or someone you might know that might be, I don't know, just evoking some feelings and, and memories. And I just want to acknowledge mm-hmm. that. And I suppose just for us all to be really sensitive to that as well. you know. And if you are feeling affected or reminded of something or thinking about something, I hope you can you have the courage to speak to someone, someone you love and trust about that. Um, but what is at the core of what we're talking about today? I want us to step away a bit from the The jargon and the policies and procedures and those things are really important but at the core of this are not policies and procedures. At the core are not designated safeguarding leads and what steps to take and what to do and who to do it with. I think what is what is most important here? Um, Jesus tells us what is most important. In Mark 12 um, he says uh, of all of the commandments Which is the most important? I mean, so sure. The one that I was most important. Let's read on. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this: "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength." And the second is this: "Love the neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself." There is no commandment greater than these. And then sometime after this, uh, Jesus was speaking to um, some Sadducees, um, and someone came up to him and asked him, um, no, sorry, this is, this, is, this is what Jesus said when he was speaking to the Sadducees about their resurrection. Later on, his disciples asked him, you know, not directly to this story, but this is when Jesus was washing his disciples' feet, and he was trying to show them what love is, and he gave them a new commandment. And I think many of us know that one as well, where Jesus says in New Command, I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I really do personally so deeply believe that this is what it's about. Not just when we speak about issues that uh, concerns the safety of adults and children, but in everything that we do, as a church and as Christians. You know, this kind of caring deeply, um, loving deeply. I really believe this is at the core. We can be in no doubt when we speak about issues of protecting the weak and the vulnerable. We can be in no doubt what God's heart is. There are countless of scriptures that show us the incredible, immeasurable love that he has for us and for the destitute and, and for the weak. I mean, is church? It is for the weak, not for the strong. It is for the, for the poor, not for the rich. It is, it is, it is exactly as, as Stephen said earlier, it is for the misfits. It is for the ones who, who struggle to fit in, for the ones who don't have voice. And Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Like Jesus allowed himself to be separated from that greatness of God when he took the sin of the world upon himself. That is the example that he gives us. That is, that is when, he, when he said, it was when he was speaking to his disciples about him going to the cross, they didn't quite understand what he was saying. They didn't quite want to believe him, but that was what it was about. And it's not just the physical death that Jesus suffered, of course, it's that incredible sacrifice he made to separate himself from the greatness which is God. If we, are, if we now think about the things that Penny and Becky shared, um, and and as they both said, they are so. It's impossible for us to think about every possible situation and scenario that might come up. As Christians, we have the benefit of uh, having the Holy Spirit with us. And I think that uh oh" moment that, that Becky and Penny both both spoke about. This is this is a really important concept that I think we need to be alert to and be aware of. And also to trust our instincts, to trust that if we feel something, don't just say, no, it's nothing. Trust, gosh, is the Holy Spirit telling me something here? Is God wanting me to, to notice something? And that, so I call it a muscle, takes a bit of practice sometimes. It takes a bit of practice to be aware of it firstly. Very often we... I don't know if you think back about situations. You know, you think, oh, something didn't feel quite right, but maybe it was just me. Maybe I just didn't understand co- completely. Maybe I had an off day. Maybe, you know, we, we, we can often think it's us, right? And I think the encouragement here would be to, to just not ignore a feeling that you may have about something <coughs> that's coming up. Um, trust the Spirit in you. Trust the Holy Spirit that is, that is with you. If you feel something, anything, as we've all said, any kind of discomfort, then, then say something. Now, we don't want to go, you know, swing the pendulum all the way to the other side and walk around with our suspicious hats on and look at every situation and think, what's, what's going on there and, you know, what do I need to do? But I, but I do think just being aware that something, you know, if, if you feel something, say something. I think that is that is, what we, that is probably the message that we, that we want to bring across. And, of course, we have a duty as a church to have all the policies and procedures and all those kind of things in place. (coughs) We cannot think that surely it won't happen with us. Surely our little community, it won't happen here. Sadly, we have all read about the awful atrocities that happen in churches across the world, and the immeasurable harm that that has caused to people. Now, if I think about people, I really believe people are good at the core. It's one of my fundamental philosophies of life. And I think about people do awful things and people are good at the core. We were, we were born as, as pure little babies and people do awful things. I'm sure all of us here can think about stuff that we regret. Maybe not, not awful things, but we can think about maybe that wasn't the best thing to do. Or I wish I did something else. Or that doesn't make us not good. It just means we made a bad choice. I mean, those of you with children, surely we speak about this with our children all the time. The choice is the one that wasn't great, but you are good. <coughs> Unfortunately, though, the kind of harm that can be caused to vulnerable people is, is immense. And the consequences of those actions are huge. And I think that's why we need to be so, um, so clear and so careful and so mindful of what kind of harm can be caused, so that we can do our absolute best to, to prevent that from happening. So I mentioned the organization 31A's earlier, uh, it's also the organization through which we do our CRB checks. So many of us here, many of the adults, um, I think most are, are, are checked through the CRB system, which is a criminal records bureau. It's important to also know though, that those in those records that we get, okay. um, for the people that are checked, you will only know if something has ever been reported, or something has ever been, you know, if someone has actually been called for something. So it's not, we, we can't say to ourselves, well, we go through the Criminal Records Bureau checks, so we're fine. It's not a case of, you know, we can now completely relax because everyone has had their checks. I think it's important we get those checks just for, a you know, from a, uh, a governance perspective. but it is everyone's responsibility to, to remain sensitive to this and to remain aware of, of what might be going on. So as a, as a charity, iccm Mike Farrell is the um, the safeguarding lead for the home organization, and as either Becky or Penny mentioned, I'm the safeguarding person mm-hmm. here for, for, the, um, for our congregation. Um, so I guess I would be the natural person to come and speak to if something were to come up, if you were to wonder about something, or just want to ask about something. I think what is really important is if you become aware of anything, don't try to deal with it by yourself. I think this is a really important concept. Involve someone. I mean, even I mean, as I said earlier, I deal with the stuff, and and you know, I said many of you as well, on a regular, not a, on a regular basis, um, it comes up, and it is so important for well, for me and for my colleagues and, and for and for others. One of the one of the key things we always speak about is don't carry the burden alone. And most certainly involve others in order to um, just widen our perspective and our awareness of what's going on. Now I understand that sometimes someone may speak to you and they would say, I really don't want you to tell anyone. And and in some cases, if it is a concern that someone has about, let's say you have a concern about the person themselves, because I want to also mention that this kind of harm you're talking about is not always the harm caused by someone to someone else. You may have a conversation and someone would say something like, I just feel like giving up, or I just don't know what the point is of life anymore, or something like that. People are not always very clear about the things going on. Uh, children are not always clear about what's going on. They don't always have, to have the words to actually express what it is, but it might be something like you came to school or came to church with wear trainers or trainers as opposed to other school shoes. Um, but in a case like that, you can I mean, you, you could, you could come to me and we can work out together what to do without necessarily saying who it is. We can start off with, you know, it, it can be anonymized, but I also want to be clear that if you do become aware of something um, where a vulnerable child or adult is involved, that is a case where even if someone does say to you, please don't tell anyone, that you do come and tell us. That is a, there's, a, there's a concept in, in, in ethics um, where we speak about ethical dilemmas. And one of the, oh, there, there are many, many concepts, but one is uh, one of beneficence, as in what is beneficial to an individual, and autonomy. And both of those are important. A, a person's autonomy is important, and beneficence is also important, and that's why you often get that conflict which we call a dilemma. A dilemma is something that doesn't have a clear answer. You don't actually know exactly where way to go with that. And these are the tricky things that we need to deal with. Um, so, as I say, if someone is speaking to you about themselves, you may come and anonymize that, and we can have a conversation and figure out what to do about that, or how you could support the person, or how you might encourage them to find support. If it is about a child or a vulnerable adult that is in any kind of risk or danger, that's a situation where we do have a responsibility, Um, in a case like that, the beneficence of that, shall we call it the victim, the possible, the potential victim, will be more important than the autonomy of the person coming to tell you, if you understand what I'm saying. So in in that case, it's just really important to, to come and have a conversation. Okay. As I said earlier, I think this stuff can feel overwhelming. I can feel a bit weighty. And I do want to say, if you feel a bit of weight, that's probably not an inappropriate feeling. It's probably appropriate to feel a bit of weight about this um, because that's a weighty issue. God does say in Isaiah 41, I read from verse 10, he says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And verse 13 says, for I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand and say to you, do not fear, I will help you. We have to remember and believe and know that God loves people so much more than we can love them. I say this uh, very often to to Raphael, he wants, if he wants to pray at night before bed. I, you know, I, I say, I love you and Mom loves you and everyone loves you and God loves you even more than we can love. Which is a concept he doesn't quite get yet, but but it's there. Um, but God, this is—if you think about the heart of God, this is absolutely. In a way, we are we are the instruments that God will use mm-hmm. to keep people safe. So allow God to use you. Allow God you to be. Allow God. To, to work through you and to be open to that message and that feeling and that spirit in us. And then also know that you don't have to do this alone. Not only do we have God, but we have a community, we have people with expertise, we have people with experience. Um, come, and, come and share those things. And I think we've, we've obviously spoken about, you know, or we're speaking perhaps situations that we may, we may come across in the church, but it may also, of course, be wider field. Um, in a case like that, I mean, absolutely come, come and check and ask for advice and, and assistance. Even if, it's a, even if it's someone who doesn't regularly um, meet here with us or is in a different situation, feel free to come and ask and see what we can do. Um, I mentioned earlier how Jesus is the ultimate example of loving, loving people so deeply um, that he would even separate himself from, from God for that love for us. And I want to read Philippians 2, uh, Philippians 2, verse 5, where it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. I always want to read this again, especially the first part, which says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Um, And as I started off by speaking, at the core of what we are talking about, I believe this is what it is. That we love one another as as Jesus loved us. And we will take a meeting together in a moment. I think Sarah is going to pray for us. Um, So whatever has been evoked for you today, if anything, um, I really want to encourage you to -hmm. consider,
1: I don't know, just have
0: just most definitely pray about that. If there's someone um, that you can speak about or is close to you, I encourage you to do that. but I'm just so aware as we were speaking today about how potentially heavy this can feel you know just the idea of you know for example to hear, hear some of those those statistics I read some of those myself yesterday I mean the the statistics of how much of this um, goes on and how much of this goes on sadly in ch- in churches um, you know when whenever and what is the old saying that how power corrupts absolute power you know when there's some kind of um if there's some kind of power imbalance going on, um, it is, you know, it's always possible for this kind of thing to happen. So we are not immune, but we are also not alone. And we have the love of God and the Holy Spirit to support us in this. Um, and of course, so as we, as we take communion together, I want us just to, to consider, let's just consider the nature of Jesus and the nature of God, the nature of love, the nature of what... What Jesus did for us, and I think often when I think about that, we can be, we think about the, the the physical death, you know, Jesus dying a gruesome death for us on the cross. But of course, his love for us was so much deeper than than that physical death. Um, he showed us in, in the way that he, that he actually being in very nature God, separated himself from that in order for us to, to have it. Um, so I'll say I'm going to take them in together.